Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Men on Purpose podcast. All right, we're getting right into it. No big intro, no crazy stuff. I got my dad sitting across from me right now. And today we're going to talk about fear and risk-taking. Fear and risk-taking. A lot of you have written to me. You love these episodes and you want to hear about um, big risk, conquering fear and all that cool stuff. No problem. We're going to dish it out today. And as a reminder, make sure you're subscribing to the Mental Purpose Podcast on iTunes, giving us a five-star rating, uh, a five-star review. And you want a t-shirt? Hit me up. I got these cool Mental Purpose t-shirts and I'd love to give you one. I'm serious. They're cheesy, but I don't care. I love them. They're, they shine in the sun. <laughs> anyway, also hit up uh, ianlobos.com and mentalpurposepodcast.com for a ton of free giveaways that we're starting to load up. We've got a video series coming out. We've got a Facebook group and community coming out. Don't hesitate. These things are going to be just more value, more value, more value. You know my five E's. Elevate, educate, evolve, empower, and enrich you, the information, your life, however we can. That's our commitment. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Here we go. This is, I don't know what episode this is. This is it's me and my dad talking about risk and, and fear. Here we go. All right. So for those of people that have listened all the way, they heard your whole story from, from young to now you're in the shipping business. But you get this, like let's position it so that you're in this place where you're starting to think to yourself, like a lot of these people listening are, I don't want to do this anymore. You're working at a shipping company. It's right. called called Panopino, and you're a you're a customs broker, which is a pretty elite uh, job. I mean, it's not that's not a common thing. It's right. a, it's it's like a CPA and a Series Seven combined. Right. Um, and you're every day you're going in there and you're thinking to yourself, like, what were you thinking to yourself? Why were you thinking you wanted to quit? Because it just sucked, or because you came from entrepreneurial background, or what was it? Combination. Well, first of all, Ian, uh, thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. I'm glad your audience likes to hear my story. They do. Um, yeah, I'm working for a uh, Swiss-German company called Panopina. And um, they had hired me as the import manager. And uh, I started over there, I think it was 1984, something like that. 84, 85. Well, my first day when I walked in, uh, the branch manager said to me, I'd like to introduce you to the import manager. And I looked at him and he looked at me and the, the lady looked at me and I'm like, and then I was hired as the import manager. What's going on here? So anyway, long story short, he wasn't happy with her. And um, I guess he just didn't have the, uh, the balls to fire her. So. He thought he would hire me, bring me in, and push her out. Hmm. Would you become her clerk? No, I was the import manager officially. Oh, but not a, were you licensed custom broker at that point? Um, I wasn't licensed at that time. Got it. But I was going for my license. Uh, so that, that went on for a little bit. 
And finally, this lady decided that you know, she had enough and it really was happening and she left. And uh, meanwhile, I was, I was taking the test to uh, get my license and studying a lot. And I remember um, in our old house down on Central Avenue, Ian, yeah. I used to put you to bed. And then I would sit down and read Title 19 of Federal Regulations. Very exciting. I don't know how you got through that. I can't even read a paragraph of that. <laughs> very, <laughs> very exciting read, let me tell you. If you ever get a chance, guys, go to the library and look that up. Title 19? Title 19, Federal Regulations, Department of Treasury. Yeah, you have to read that uh, and become familiar with that uh, because a lot of that law is on your test, which you only have two hours, 100 questions. Don't let it fool you. Multiple choice doesn't work. Tricky. Yeah, it's very tricky. Anyway, uh, I continue to I continue to panel Pina, and here's the turning point for me at panel Pina. I I actually liked the job itself, the the actual operating of the job, I, and I liked the law, but I didn't like my branch manager because. In my eyes, he was incompetent, and he didn't, he didn't really know anything, and the only reason he was there is because he must have given somebody at corporate a favor. Yeah. So every day became a little bit more miserable and miserable, and I was bringing in a lot of business. I saw the money that I was making the company. And uh, finally, I caught on to a really good sales lead, and you all may know this company i know you use the products cisco foods yeah somebody had given me a sales lead they said that uh cisco, cisco foods was not happy with the current uh broker they were dealing with and they were looking to make a change so i went to my branch manager and i talked to him about it and he goes well that's your problem <laughs> and i'm like yeah but this is a lot of, a lot of business this could triple our business here he goes, we got vacation. Take a vacation, go down there and see them. They're located in Houston. Oh, right. Okay. And I'm like, well, how about my expenses? Are you, you going to cover that? He goes, no, you're on vacation. I'm going to cover expenses for vacation. <laughs> Dick thing. So I paid out of my own pocket because. You believed in it. I really believed that, that I, I could get these guys. I knew what they were looking for. It was all food products. And I was very, very very well based in food products and dealing with food products uh, from another company that I work for. So I did, I flew down there. I went into corporate. I talked to the guys, I sit down and we talked for a long time. They actually took me out to lunch. I didn't have to pay for it, which was nice good, since I already paid <laughs> for the plane ticket and everything else. So they were very, very interested. And of course, you know how corporation is, they'll go, okay, we'll talk it over. We'll get back to you. Right. I got on the plane. I flew back. I hadn't heard anything for almost two weeks. And lo and behold, that phone call came in and said, what do we got to do to change? Hmm. And uh, I said, let's get the paperwork ready. Yeah, I love that. And I, I changed them over. And it was about $80,000 a month. In, Which, 1986. In, in sales. 1986. 1986. It's over a million dollars. It's almost a million dollars a year, right? Or it's more than. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. It, it just blew up the Baltimore office. And 
seeing that I didn't get any, uh, I didn't get any reimbursement or anything. You didn't even get a no bonus, no reimbursement. Oh, we get to that. Okay, <laughs> I did get, I did get a bonus, and this is this is why I really, really decided. But anyway, we'll get to that. So, my branch manager, his name was Klaus. Oh yeah, Swiss German. Now, don't get me wrong, I learned a lot from that guy. Yeah, I really did. Um. Well, shouldn't you be learning from anybody and everybody that's in your life? Good, bad, indifferent. You're, well, you're learning from everybody and how to do things, how not to do things yeah. the right and way, the not so right absolutely. way. Absolutely. And at the time, I think I had so much anger and resentment from this is I really didn't think it all through how much I had learned. Yeah. And uh, the knowledge and, and the experience. So uh, long story short, he sent a memo to corporate and said, we got Cisco Foods. My name was never mentioned. Huh. I was like a ghost. Yeah. Uh, but the guy up in uh, corporate uh, who ran the, the uh, M- he was like vice president of all the import uh, offices throughout the United States, he knew. Yeah. And he said to me, I know what's going on. He goes, but there's a lot of politics here. I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So anyway, we got the business. Things are rocking and rolling. I'm putting in the time. I mean, it's just flowing like water. The shipments are just coming in like crazy. They're happy. I'm happy. And uh, then the holidays roll around and I'm thinking, well. When is this, by the way? Is it 86 or 85? 85, 86. 86. 86, yeah. And 85, 86. Holidays rolling around, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I might get some acknowledgement at least. Right. right. So the bonuses come out. They mail the bonuses to your house. I got my check, and I'm thinking, now I'm getting, I'm getting acknowledged. Yeah. I open the check. It's like Christmas vacation. Remember that? Yeah. It's like Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm getting acknowledged. I open the check. I'm all like excited, like, you know, a little boy Christmas time, opening his presents. And I opened it up and I did a double take and I'm like, that can't be right. That just can't be right. It's 250 bucks. Wow. For a million dollars worth of business. Yeah. A fourth of a fourth of a fourth of a fourth yeah. of a fourth of a fourth. Yeah. <laughs> And at that time, right at that time, my whole attitude changed. I said, he who controls, controls. Right. That just went through my mind. And I said, as soon as I get my license, I'm going to start a business. Yep. Because I know I can do it. I've already proved to myself I can do it. Totally. Even though I was scared to death to do that. Sure. That big call, I'd never call in a big corporation like that. Scary. I had, a lot, of, had a, lot of, a lot of scare. I was scared a lot. Yeah. Because what if they ask me things? I can't answer it, this and that. But I got it. I got it. So now we're into 1987. I think you're like five. Five. No. Four. 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 And, um, and we're living downtown in uh, Baltimore City. A 10-foot wide house. Nothing wrong with it. 
We did this uh, Renaissance house. Yeah. Turnkey operation, but it wasn't very big. It's one of the uh, old row houses that was completely redone. It was very nice, but it wasn't very big. So I set to get my license. And um, of course, it takes a little time once even to, to, to hear that you passed. Uh, and I think several months later, I found out that I had passed uh, with a 98. It's good. I missed one. It happens. Out of 100, that's not bad. <laughs> no, not at all. And, um, you know, the, you got the feds. They got to do the whole background check. and all. So it took a while. It took a while to get it through. And I finally got that little piece of paper signed by U.S. Customs. And now I'm official. And now I start looking and I'm like, I'm going to do this. But you're not looking for a job. You're looking for space. I'm looking, I'm looking to start my own business. Yeah. So let's let, go through that for a second. Cause that's the real, the big driver was the driver was not being recognized. Right. I know a lot of people probably feel that in the corporate world out there. Like, yeah. Was that the biggest driver or was like, what was the biggest driver for you? I think the biggest driver was, um, among this, me coming in and this guy not having the balls to fire the oh, import yeah. manager was yep. there. That was a start for me. Yeah. Just building your case. Yeah. That was a start. Like, man, what are you doing? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> you never told me during the interview. I just showed up in the morning. Right. You never told me. Right. And she says, hi, I'm the import manager and wanted to shake my hand. That and, and other things that would take up a lot of time. That would be a whole nother story yeah. that we, we could get into with this, this guy. But, but were you, you were building a case and you, you started to see that there was a limit here. Well, I started to see there was a limit. And there was another thing in my mind is like, was in the back of my mind, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Can I do this myself? I was always kind of like, can I do this on my own? Just like uh, just a burning curiosity, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the different steps along the way were getting that big account and things like that. Sure. Proved to me that I could do it on my own. Yeah, and and it really only takes that one. You don't have to prove the theory until you exhaust the theory. And you have overwhelming evidence. Sometimes you have to jump when you know that there is a landing. You're just really not sure how far it is. Yeah. Well, but, we're going to tell the story of how I jumped. And, right. <laughs> okay. So I decided that I've had enough and I'm going to get this. Uh, I'm going to start this business. And uh, I have my license. So I can work on my own license. I don't need anybody. Right. And um, at that time, uh, you were probably still around four and your mother had a back operation. Yeah. A spinal fusion. Yes. And she was on a body cast. And, yeah. Back in the late eighties. That's, that's not a, yeah. it's not like it is today where you walk out of there or right. you, you're in the hospital for a couple of days. It's yeah. a body cast. Yeah. You're not moving. Yep. And we just bought a house. Yeah. Which was way out of your price range too. For that oh. time. Well, not with your job, but as an entrepreneur, it was. Yes. Yeah. As starting a business from scratch. Yep. 
I think our, our mortgage was 1100 a month, which doesn't sound much. That's a lot, now, actually, though. It was a lot back then. Yeah. And we had a little bit of savings, but not much. Yeah. Um, so we just bought a house. I took, um, I took a week's vacation to, to get everything settled, move into the house. And then your, your mother had a surgery and, and uh, was in the living room in a hospital bed with a body cast. And then um, I told your mother, I said, uh, I'm going to start my own business. And she just like looked at me. Yeah. I told my neighbor I was going to start my own business. So I remember this conversation. Yeah. Because I'm four and a half. This is like May of... Yeah of 2000 or of uh, 1987 87 right and i remember i was sitting on the bed i mean imagine uh, google if for those of you that are too young to even know what a body cast is because i don't think they body cast people yeah, anymore right those anymore like go google a body cast full body cast and yeah. you'll be it, it's like uh um <laughs> i, I don't like, know what movie yeah it's like two pieces that they're you know, for the back and one for the front and, and they kind of like snap it together right and you can't move. You're yeah. stuck for a, a, a while, weeks. Weeks. And I remember sitting there and and you, you uh, the way I remember it is you said, I quit my job. But I, I think that's another time, actually, when you, you had said, I was sitting there both times and you said to mom, I'm, I want to quit my job. I think I'm going to start my own business. Right. And I think she flipped out. Yes which anybody would do in that situation. She has no control and she's a controller and she has right. no control on a body cast and a, right. and a four-year-old and a new house and a mortgage. The only good part is she couldn't hit me or chase me. <laughs> right. But what I learned from that at that moment was you, you got to share your vision with people. You got yes. to share what you're going to do. Yes. And, and people think I'm crazy. Listen, let's get some one thing real straight. I share my vision, not the build. Like if any of you have followed me over the last couple months that I've been building out in Los Angeles, all you see is pictures of sunrises and sunsets. You don't see anything. I'm low, right? So you share your vision with everyone. The universe is now holding you accountable and so are they. But then you build in silence, I think. That's my theory. That's a good theory. Yeah. I mean, my new business, not my real estate business. Sure. Yeah. And then I called and then I, I told a couple of neighbors. And the neighbor, one neighbor said, uh, are you nuts? You just bought a house and you're wasting a body cast and she's not working right. and you got a four year old kid. Yeah. I'm like, ah, it's just something I got to do. I, I, I got to do it. I, I don't want to go to my grave saying I should have done it and I never did it. And I, I just got to do it. And, and, I know the universe will look out for me. If it doesn't work out, then something else will work out. But you also have a customs broker's license, which is not prevalent. It's rare. So if it yeah, didn't work marketable. out, it's marketable. It's marketable. And you can put that on the resume and, the, and, and a big broker will hire you in a, or a big um, uh, outfit will hire you in a heartbeat. Right? But if Absolutely. you don't go for it, you'll never know. No, you'll never know. Like for the, for the sum, for you, I'm going to say for you listening right now in your car or at the gym or taking a run, like, this is for you. This is, this is the universe telling you, if you don't go for it, you'll never know. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Uh, I'm not saying recklessly go for it. No. But there's a way that you, if you have that burning desire, um, then 
there is a, a way that you can lay it out and go for it. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um, maybe not the way you would do it, but. Yeah, but that's, it, it but worked. I learned it from you. It worked for me. Yeah. So I, I went back to work at Panopina and um, I, at the time I didn't have computers. <laughs> that tells you the age, right? It's hyped up. I'm all, I'm all hyped up and I'm excited. How old were you? 34? Probably. Yeah. You're born. Yeah. yeah. 53, 44. 33, 34. Yep. And then I, I also called my dad and I said, uh, I'm going to start my own business. He goes welding. I said, no. <laughs> Not welding. I said, no, I, I don't, you know, I like welding, but I don't want to do it full time. So I told him and he really didn't know what I was talking about. He goes, well, if you, I mean, if you feel you can do it, just why don't you try it? You're a young man. Try it. Yeah. Wait, what, let me ask you a question. What about the people that are naysayers out there that aren't entrepreneurs, they're full-time employees, they love it, that that say, but what, a, what, Glenn, that was really irresponsible of you. You had a kid and a mortgage and a new mortgage and a wife and a body cast who wasn't bringing in an income. Wasn't that irresponsible? And I know you're like, I know the answer already, but to just what, what's your response to that? Well, my feeling is if, if that's what you're saying, then you're not ready right. to do this. Yep. You're, you're not a true entrepreneur. I mean, if you're going to, you know, say I've got my paycheck, I've got my benefits, I've got this, I've got that. Okay, so maybe you're better off with a job. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's because what you I'm choose. Gonna, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. No. It's not easy. You don't, you don't just say Friday was a slow weekend. Uh, where's my paycheck? Right. You have to earn that paycheck. But it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. It's very fulfilling. So you really have to sit down and you have to soul search and look in your heart. And you have to really say to yourself, this is what I really want to do. And I'm willing to take that chance. Do you remember what you told me when I left your shipping company and I was going to start the real estate business? And I said to you, you know, mayor and mom and mayor's mom kind of sat me down and said, you need to be responsible. You need to go get a job. It's, it's, it's highly irresponsible for you to be teaching swimming lessons for 10 bucks an hour and <laughs> pretending like you're going to build some business. Yeah. You know, remember what you said to me? Yeah. And hair was burning off your arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that God. Oh my God. That pool. I, I wish I could say the name. I just, I won't be, I won't do that. But I wish I could say that, that place is horrific. I think it closed down. I hope so. I think I said remember that burned you, the hair off my whole body. Oh, did? Oh, yeah. From the water line down, I was I hairless. I remember you were happy because you got all the hair off your back. <laughs> yeah, up to my shoulders because yeah. the water was five feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you remember what you said? You got to do what makes you happy. And you said it's irresponsible for you not to follow your dream. Correct. You will be irresponsible as a husband and a provider and someone who chases after their dreams. Correct. It's actually, it's actually irresponsible for you to go get a job. That's correct. And I was like, and I looked at Mayor, and Mayor was like, fuck. <laughs> All right, here we go, buckling. But you know what? Mayor was the kind of the final straw that said, when I said, look, I'm, I think I'll get a job at Wegmans, you know, it's in the stock and bananas. One of my friends worked there, and he's like, I'll give you a job, dude, in a heartbeat. I remember that. And I thought, well, you know, I know, I know things. I can do things. I, maybe I'll work my way up to management. It's the only time I've ever thought about getting a job, except for the job at the swimming lessons, because I was in a weird space. But like, 
when I said to Mary, you know, maybe I should just get a job after I had this whole argument, like maybe I should just get a job. And she said, no, because I did, that's not who I married. I didn't marry a loser. She was talking about me, by the way, just because you have a job doesn't make you that. It, that's no, your choice. No, she was saying no. for me, because the man that she knew and married is not a giver upper or a loser, right? She, if you say something and then you give up on it, then you means you, you've given up. And maybe that makes you a loser. I don't know. But in Mare's mind, in my mind, it did. And so she was saying, I didn't marry a person that gives up on their dream. So if you really think that you can do this, I'll back your ass up for a little bit. I'll give you till the end of the year. You make some money by the end of the year, you can stay in it. If not, you go get a job. And so I got a time frame, which is what you need. A time frame to work within. And a burning desire. Right. I had a time frame also. Yep. Um, one year. But. Do you, have, do you have enough money for one year to last? Yeah, but I used it all up. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, did, I didn't go the conventional route. I didn't have a father that said, okay, here's 100000 bucks, start your... Right. I didn't go the conventional route. I didn't have any, any real substance of money to put into this business. So I went to the bank. Yeah. I wish you would have given me 100000 bucks to start my real estate business. Yeah. Um, so I went to the bank and I sat down with the bank. I've been banking with them. Um, I think it was Maryland National. To wear a suit. Yeah, I got dressed up. Yeah, you used to back then. Yeah, I got all dressed up. <laughs> went to the bank. I had, my, I had my business plan together and sat down with the guy and said, this is what I want to do. And he goes, what's a custom house broker? Yeah. Like, oh, we're in trouble already. But anyway, I explained everything to him and um, he goes, sounds like a great plan. And he says, what, what kind of money are you looking for? I said, I'm going to need at least 50,000, 100,000 to get this thing going. And he goes, well, here's the problem. You just bought a house. Yeah. And our policy here is we don't finance businesses until you have proven to us that you can be in business a year yeah and i'm thinking well how can i start the business if you won't give me any money to start the business right and he said i'm sorry i can't help you well when did you make your business plan by the way it was that months ahead was it days ahead when did you, you decide to do that right like write it out you know i started uh i actually started i think the first day when i went to panel Pena, and i'm like i don't like this <laughs> you just knew about how it could be done yeah and uh, as, as I stayed at Panopina, I just start, kept putting things together and I kept looking at the market and seeing if there were some holes in the market. Cause it's like anything, it's very competitive, but there are little holes, little niches that you can get yourself into and get in and then build from there. Uh, but I didn't get any money. So I kind of put the word out, um, with an, a person that I knew who worked for the Maryland Port Administration. Nice lady. I'd known her for a long time. And uh, she said, well, I'll talk to some of these guys and see, you know, if they're interested. Yeah. Uh, and I carved it in a way, in a niche way, that I wouldn't be competing with them on the ocean freight side. I saw that there was a niche in the air freight side. Yeah. And that all these guys were using a courier to run their documents back and forth was expensive. Yeah. 
And if I could niche in that way and get immediate sales yeah. and drop their cost, they might go for it. So instead of couriering docs around to a customs broker and back to the airport and all that stuff, I'm just there. They're, they're, they, you would be basically there in-house, but they would be your finance team to help you start the business. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got, you got to get creative sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And um, a lot of you got, you got to get creative a lot. So I, I got a call from a guy and his name was Don. You remember Don? Oh, yeah. Um, he had a travel agency. Yeah. And uh, really nice guy. Been in business a long time. Old school. But a travel agency. He, I, he wasn't a shipping? He had shipping. Oh, right, right, right. But he started a travel agency because he was going to retire from the shipping business and use his travel agency to travel. Right. At, right. at discount. Yep. That's cool. So we had a meeting. I talked to Don and he said, it sounds like a great idea. I've got like, I've got some air shipments that, I've spent a lot of money running papers up and down to the, because you had to clear the shipment to the airport at the time. Yeah. There were no computers at that time. Typewriters. Trust me. There were typewriters. Boy, could I type. <laughs> we still have that typewriter, by the way. Yeah, it's somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think it's with your mother's coat. No oh, shit. That means it's gone. <laughs> it probably <laughs> is. But um, yeah, I talked to Don. I said, he goes, what's the minimum? If I gave you like a small, um, if I carried you for a year and gave you a small salary, so you got the thing really rolling, what's the minimum money, amount of money you would need? I said, probably I could do it on 25 grand. Yeah. He goes, I don't have money. Really? He goes, I don't have 25 grand to put into it. Uh, you know, it, <clears throat> it's a flyer to me. It might work. It might not work. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to really go in that direction. He goes, but I got some guys. Maybe we get some, uh, get yourself some partners together. Yeah. He goes, I'd be willing to put five up. If you can find, I'll find some other guys. If they put five up, we come up with 25. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And that's what we did. I ended up with four partners. Yeah. 5,000 a piece. And we started Ian International. Right. Just on air freight. That was it. And so for those people who see my stickers or the stuff that I have online or anything like that, it is not named after me. It is. And it's not, it is. And it's not because it's an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it is named after me and it's not, and it's not just my name. It's an acronym, which is what your blue ocean was inside the red ocean, which was air freight the stuff for international air network. Correct. But you know, later down the road, when you got older, remember what you said to me? No. I'm glad you named it after me because I would have sued you if you would have. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No. So here I am. And they got me a they got me a used desk. They got me a copier that sounded like an airplane taking off. Yeah, it was and early days. Little one room that I was in, like a ten by ten. And we were off and running. Yeah. And I was scared. Yeah. I was a little worried, but I had a lot of confidence that I could do it. But before that, what about the typewriter in the back of your car? You want to go there? I'll yeah, go of there. course. That's the, that's the, okay. you got to remember, I'll go, there. I'll go there. Everybody that talks to me always hears stories about you and what I learned from you watching you as a four-year-old start a business. Like my daughter, your granddaughter watches me right. build and run and start businesses. So I'm very cognizant as a as a parent and an entrepreneur to what I'm 
saying and teaching her because she's me with you. And I learned from you and I took those lessons and they became granite inside of me, you know, and like taking chances and building your plan and casting your vision to everybody and, and taking a risk and believing in yourself and having confidence in you, even if nobody does whatever, or finding your confidence in you from someone else who has confidence in you, if you don't have it in you. So yeah, staying positive, staying as positive as you can. Things get turned upside down and go sideways and they will. Right. That's all a part of the journey of being a business well, for yourself. Let's, let's back up for a second. We'll stay, hold the car. Back up for a second because now the business has started, but this isn't you. The, there was a pivotal point in my life where, um, where when you, you came home and said to mom, I quit my job and I'm starting this business. Because I remember that. Yes. I'm, again, I'm sitting on the hospital bed. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? Like, she's there. I think mom had a nurse there. Yes. Right? It was a nurse there, too. Yeah, it was a lady there with her. Um, yeah. And I, I remember, I remember like her freaking out at, you know, in, in, as you can in a body cast. Yeah. And what I remember was you just, you just got to know. You got to know. And you said, look, if I, don't, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. And I'll be miserable knowing that I could have and I never right. took the chance. Yes. And that shit burned into my brain. Really? At four yeah. years old? You know that. Woo. Yeah, it burned into my brain that, that you, well, here's the other thing, though. Maybe, I, maybe in my older age, I, I know, like, like, I now in my, in, in, I now say I'll never get a job. And you've always kind of burned that into me anyway. But like. Now I'm thinking I have to take risks to keep up with you, right? Because I'm following in the, uh, the entrepreneurial footsteps, but I don't get it and I don't know. But now I've got to take risks, right? And, and I also realized then that, I literally realized then that school wasn't going to help me. No. No joke. Like literally in first grade, I, I, like when I got to first grade, I realized that this wasn't for me. It really wasn't, uh, it wasn't. If it were today, I know you would have pulled me out of school and we would have done school and traveled the world, but like, because you could have done everything online. But back then it was, you went there's, to school. There's no online. No, you went to school. So anyway, that, I want, I, I want you to know that because you know that, but maybe you don't well, remember it enough, but that's, that burned into my brain. No, I don't rem- really don't remember it. I mean, um, even if you're scared, like it's the same thing we teach Ellis. Even if you're scared, mm-hmm. I know I can do this mm-hmm. and I just have to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I just have to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And like I count the evidence, mm-hmm. not the emotion, and I let fear push me, not hold me back. Well, also, I never had, neither did my father, neither did my uncle. They're all entrepreneurs. They all had all kinds of different little businesses going on. I never had the word failure to mean anything to me. Right. Because the way I looked at it, it was just an experience. Now, as we all know, there are consequences to all your experiences, positive or negative. <laughs> sure, sure. But we just have that, that drive that we got to try it. Yeah. I got to try it. I just want to see what it's like. It's like, you know, 
you go and you want to touch that little thing and go, I just want to feel it. Will it burn me? I just want to see what it's like. And that's a little curiosity there. Yep. There's also something else inside you as an entrepreneur that says, I know I can do it. Just watch me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the hate, like the haters fuel your fire. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting in the, in the school culture, the experimentation, except in like maybe science class and the curiosity is not actually, maybe it is today. I don't know. I'm just going by my schooling is not fueled. It's frowned upon. Yeah. You know, just, I wonder what that does. I wonder what I could do if I did that. Yeah. I think it suppresses uh, curiosity. Suppresses it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, because you also build that fear in into you in school. At least from what I saw. Like if you take a chance, you could get in trouble. You get in trouble. Yeah, and then it builds a that builds a habit. Yeah, mindset around. Yeah, I do this. This hurts. This gets pain. This creates pain. And the thing is, once once you tell someone that enough enough times right you begin to believe it whether it's real or not but that's also that person that person's beliefs being projected into you they're not your beliefs they're not you know because mom doesn't think the same way that you do no and 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 but she supports you just like mayor supports me yes it's what regardless of what they feel in terms of fear you have to make a choice. You either support or you don't. Yes. Or it doesn't work for the entrepreneur. Correct. Here's the other thing. You have to have family support. Yeah. You know, if you want to, if you want to go into business for yourself and you strike out and your wife says, Oh my God, no, don't do that. It's in your mind. In your mind, you're going to have some problems because that's always in your mind that you don't have that element of support. You have to have it because things, are like a roller coaster. You're up, you're down, and you need someone to share those things with. Yeah. Um, Especially and, the scary. And, uh, yeah. And get that support and to tell you it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. We're going yep. to figure this out. So let me get back to when I, the car, the car, I had a Volkswagen Scirocco. Nobody knows what that is. No, they do. The Volkswagen community guys do. Okay. Yeah. So you know what a Scirocco is. It's, you know, hatchback, hatchback, two-door. So I'm trying to get a I'm trying to get a place to to open my office, and uh, it seems like the community uh, down at the airport uh, were very well knit. I'm talking about my competitors, and they were blocking me. So nobody would rent to me, and uh, I thought, well, you know what? I got a typewriter and there's a place that uh, used to be a little carryout place, not there anymore. It's 7-Eleven. It's called Twin Oaks. It's family owned yeah. business. We used to call it Twin Roach. <laughs> some of the food came out of there. And, it's uh, questionable. That's another story. But they had a whole bank of pay phones. Keep in mind, guys, <laughs> there, there's, no cell phones. There, there's no cell phones here. There's no cell phones. Well, there was a bag phone back then, right? In 1987. Um, I couldn't afford a bag phone. Right. Like 10 grand. Yeah. I did think I eventually got a bag phone. I know. I remember that bag phone. Um, but I used the pay phones. And that was my communication. I would 
tell my customer I'm in between getting an office. So just call this number right. at a certain time or I'll call you. And that's how I worked for over a month. You didn't need power. You didn't need power. So no, it was mechanical. Yeah. You just sit in your car in the back of your car and yeah. you can type. Well, I cut a piece of plywood and I put it in the back. Yeah. That was my table. <laughs> and then I got some milk crates from uh, the Twin Oaks and they let me use those and put my files in. You remember when I went with you? You know, I have a memory that's exact. Your memory, I, yeah. mean, I think I'm present. I must be getting old because <laughs> I don't remember all this stuff. Yeah, you're remembering so many details. That was that was 30 plus years ago. So like that's I'm only that age. I know. know. Oh, and and you know my my travel experience has been so much that right. I don't know how much I can keep my brain. But I also didn't have a lot. I didn't have brothers and sisters. I didn't have a lot of st other stuff. Like we weren't, uh, you, you know, you guys weren't entertaining every weekend. There wasn't a lot of distractions. So I was like, mom was, um, oh, she was in the body cast. So I latched on to you, right? Because I just, I, I needed somebody to, to like uh, talk to and, and, right. And I was a little hyperactive, so <laughs> think. <laughs> um, yo, if you look at Alice today, she's the same way, isn't she? Yes. But she's not. But it's not a. It's not. It's not a thing. It's just how a kid is, right? Because that's now how we. That's now how we know kids. Kids are like a little hyper, whatever. Right. I think I was probably a little worse. <laughs> but you, you, you took me with you one day, and I remember looking at the. This is, um, this is like June of 1987 and I was four and a half years old. Exactly. And I remember looking at like giving you a weird look. I see everything in the third perspective, by the way. So I remember giving you a weird look and you said, Hey, you got to do what you got to do to make it work until it works. And I locked that into no kidding. Yep. That's why I, I lived. That's why I lived in the warehouse. I just had to do what I had to do. I didn't know it was so influential. Well, that's one on of the big at that age with business. Well, that's what it wasn't business. That was your life, and that's and you were the only person that was that was like that was um, you know mom's laying in a hospital bed, so I'm I'm uh, disconnected. So the only person I really connect. I mean, we, I didn't really. Have, I had family, but I didn't have family family who really like cared deeply yeah, about sure. me. Yeah. So, I mean, I did. I had your dad. Right. And, and Aunt Patty, but I, like, right. but I, I, we weren't there every day. So it was you that I was focusing on. So I think one of the big lessons here is to the audience is who are parents is you got to really watch your, your kids are watching you a lot closer than you think. Yeah. A lot closer. Cause I carry that same stuff today. Like, you know, I have a lot of coaching clients who I help quit their jobs yeah. and start businesses. And I'll, the first thing I say to them is, are you married, girlfriend, boyfriend, anything? Yeah, married, wife, cool. Does your wife support this 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 thing wholeheartedly? Like, mm -hmm. I believe in you, I trust you, go for it. And they go, yeah, and you go, you got nothing to lose. Right. That's the first thing you gotta ask. <laughs> nothing to lose. That's the first thing. If you're gonna do this, that's the first thing you have to ask yourself. Right. Also, you have to be truthful when you talk to your girlfriend, spouse, or whatever. Right. You have to be truthful that lay it out. This is what I'm going to do. Yep. Because if you, if you sugarcoat it, yeah, it's not going to work. You, yep. won't, you won't get the support. Tell them all the bad stuff, all the good stuff. Yeah. And, and it's so one of the, and, and Meredith and I will talk about this on another episode that we do, but that's like you, ha, your spouse 
has to also be in a growth mindset, not in a scarcity mindset, because or in abundance versus scarcity, but also a growth mindset because you you need them to understand what you're doing and not just be reacting reacting off of fear. Correct. Right. Which I learned because mom would react off of fear sometimes, right? Big money, stuff like that. But what I also learned was that, you know, I got to be honest. I got to be dead honest, regardless of what Meredith's going to say. If I lost a hundred grand or if I made a million, I just have to be honest with her because if she catches me not being honest, even in the very beginning, like you're building a foundation of trust that, that can, that can, you said to me, look, I don't think it's smart for you to go into business with your spouse. When Meredith joined me in business after the first year, he said, but if you're going to do it, give it everything you got because this thing could be a, a, a power up for your relationship or this thing will sink you fast. It'll be a grenade to the marriage. Correct. So either way, you're not going to exist. You're not going to be business partners and just be existing. You're going to skyrocket the relationship or you're going to grenade it. Your call. Right. They're going to live this with you. Right. Every day, day, every minute, they're going to live this with you. Yeah. And the, the other thing, this is just, this for maybe the single people. If you're thinking about, <laughs> you're thinking about doing this and you really want to do it, the person that you're dating or you're with, make sure that they can handle something like this. Right. Because it's not easy being a partner or married to an entrepreneur. Right. Because we change in a heartbeat. Yeah. We flip-flop all over the place. And that's just us. And there are some people that are, you know, they want that security. Yeah. 100%. Totally. Every, every day. And if they don't get that, then your relationship's just going to, it's going to explode and sink. Yep. So it's not going to do you good. You know, you get into a business and everything's doing great. And then your spouse or the person that you're with comes up and goes, I can't handle this. No, it's too much pressure. I'm gone. Yeah. And now you're splitting it. Now you're splitting it. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm is, not saying it's which a bad is, no, thing. No, it's, which is fine. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yep. But, you know, at the time, maybe you could. Look ahead a little bit. Yeah, but have conversations with your partner, your spouse, your whoever's in your life. Right. And, and especially if it's a friend you're going into business with, that's dangerous. But that's very you know, dangerous. It, it is what it is. If you want to make that call, it's totally cool. That's very dangerous. I am in business with friends today. I've been in business with friends who have royally screwed me over. And it doesn't change my trust. It changes my approach and my expectation set and the accountability I hold. Correct. Zip. Zip. Correct. I had four partners. They didn't screw me over, but they tried to get me out. Right. Uh, once I got the business up and rocking and rolling, they saw the money was starting to be made, and they thought, well, you don't need this guy anymore. Right. So, luckily, it worked out to where I made enough money, I started buying them out one by one. But pick the right partners, not easy. No, our partner. And you never know, actually. No, you don't. I mean, you can vet all you want. No, but you don't know what's going on there in their emotional life, in their private life. You don't know if their wife's, you know, screwing around or the, you know, their dog just died. You don't know. Yeah. You just don't know that. And I mean, you can do all the vetting you want, but people's lives change as they get further down the road. Sure. 
It could change on you. Uh, I once had a friend working for me doing my accounting. He didn't work out. Lost a friendship for quite some time. You just don't know. Uh, but in any event, sometimes you have to take a partner on to get started like I did. Right. You have no other choice. Right. Um, so we'll, we want to get back to the car. I, I Go back to the car. because I forgot I'll, what you were going to tell me. The, <laughs> your, your young words of wisdom back then. My young words of wisdom? Something you learned. I didn't even no, know you I, learned. No, it's what I told you I learned. <laughs> sometimes you just got to make it work. Sometimes okay. you just got to make it work. Okay. You know, like you got to do what you got to do to make it work. Because I, I saw it. I, I, I'm going to wrap it here because we're going to do a part two on this. Because I, I want to I dive a lot deeper. And, we have, and we're almost in an hour. I, that, there's a lot of lessons in just this episode. There's a lot of stuff that people can learn. I mean, you got to also think this is a dad and a son who are both entrepreneurs talking about the businesses and one who learned from the other. Right. Right. And then like, so there, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. But I, you said, this is just you talking though. This isn't you like sitting me on your knee and saying, son, let me teach you a valuable lesson in life. You just looked at me and said, hey, listen, you got to do what you got to do to make it work sometimes. Well, this, this was actually me doing it too. I know. It wasn't. But this let, is you with a cable you. spool in your trunk. I know. <laughs> this is weird. To me, even at a four and a half years old, I'm like, what the hell's going on I here? I know. I know. <laughs> but at the time, it's what I had to do. I know, but the lesson stuck with me, and I'm 38, yeah. and it's, I still have it. And you still have the cable spool here. <laughs> no, I wish I had that damn typewriter, though. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, because that, that was, wow. That was a nice mechanical. Yeah. What was that, like a IBM or? No, it was a. Somebody yeah. gave me that typewriter. I you I swear you have that thing. Is it in the closet in your office? I don't know where it is. I know you brought it with you when you emptied I, the storage. I know you got it. I did. Did I put it in your shed? No. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe. Well, we'll find it. We'll find it. But yeah. it, regardless, like these are not small lessons. Like they seem really small, but you have to think like when I'm, the you know the evidence versus emotion is also from you too. Like, like when I was in real estate, you know, even, even like two years in, I was making really good money and I was successful and I was anxious and scared every day. And you're like, look, there's, there's no, there's no evidence for you to think, right? There's no pro the process of the emotion right. and the fear. There's no evidence behind that. You're making money. You're doing well. Your fear is in the future of your sustaining and consistency Correct. to keep this shit up. And you're not there yet. Right. But I didn't want to keep, I didn't. I didn't want to keep going. I didn't love the business. I loved yeah. my clients and I loved making that kind of money. You were also what ifing a lot. I totally what so, ifing a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, I understand that. And you know, you can't worry about what happened yesterday. Right. Right? It's gone. What are you no. gonna do about it? You can't worry about what's gonna happen the next day because it ain't here yet. But it's scary. That's scary. Because you get in your head and I'm you to and totally you what if it all the time. Totally. I agree. And that's human. I know. It's just not you. It's, it's the, the, the people that are listening. How did you clear that fear out? You had to have been scared, you know, starting your own business and having these partners who, were, who helped you to support you and lift you up, but then also kind of turned on you. I, how did you get rid of, how did you come home and be like, oh my God, man. The communication wasn't the same. You know, you couldn't just pick up a phone and call somebody like no. from your car and be like, yo, dude, I want to talk to you about. No, no, no. No, no I... I got How'd you manage it? I, I listen to a lot of tapes, Tony Robbins. That's right. A lot of Tony, Tony Robbins tapes. And 
<coughs> excuse me. And um, I got a tape once from him that said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Because, yeah, I did have the fear. I, I, everybody, it's human nature. Sure. You know, I was doing that. Oh, uh, I screwed up yesterday. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, we're going to make enough money to pay the bills. What's going to happen? You can go all the way down that line. Right. And just totally paralyze yourself because fear does paralyze you to move from moving forward. And I listened to this tape and it said, feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. And uh, I don't know how many times I listened to that tape. A lot. I remember it came in a big like like plastic jacket with like yeah twelve other tapes in it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I can hear the the yeah. crunch of that thing because you even were using that in your remember that gray uh, eight uh, fifty or eight sixty yeah. Volvo or nine sixty Volvo with the sedan. Yeah, with the red interior. Yes, I remember the tapes sitting on the seat of that car. Yes, yeah. I, I listened to a lot of those tapes. Yeah, um, Tony Robbins seemed to, I guess, click with me. He was also your age at that point too. It could be. Yep. Yeah. And I'd got, I had already been in business and, and, you know, started getting some bruises and stuff. Right. And I, I felt I had to do something because I needed to clear this out of my head. Sure. I heard it on the radio. He was advertising and I thought I'm getting a tape. It's 29 bucks. I'm gonna get the whole thing. Yeah. And I would ride up and down the beltway and listen to it every day, <laughs> every day. Every day I would ride up and down the beltway and listen to it. And then um, I think that was my turning point with, with me dealing with fear of anything. Of I mean, anything, not just business, of anything. It's not that you haven't dealt with fear, though. Well, the fear is there. Yeah. It always will be because we're human beings. Sure but I learned to control it and to deal with it and turn it into positive rather than getting all these little gerbils in my head going, Oh my God, tomorrow's coming. What are they going to do? Right. You're going to shoot me in the head. What's going to happen? Oh my God. And that tends to quail. Is it qual? Quail? Qualm? Qualm. No, I don't think that's the right word either. Well, anyway, those little gerbils running around in my head. I distinguish that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but the fear is still there. So, yeah. I mean, if somebody puts a gun in my head, I'm going to have fear. Yes. Yeah. You're just, that's a part of being a human being. Right. But I also think you're, you're not born with fear. No, you learn it from your traumas. You, you learn fear. Yeah. I mean, as we learned, like you had this traumatic event happen when you're 11 years old and you're scared at that point of loss and maybe closeness or, or connection or trust or something like that. Oh, guilt too. Yeah. And you're carrying that stuff with you in every single situation, whether you're buying a Slurpee at Seven Eleven or yeah. you're doing a business deal that is still in your mind. Yeah. You know, it's still in your mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just learned to, to work with it. Totally. Uh, rather than just letting it circle around in my mind all the time. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, those things don't go away and we shouldn't forget our past. No. But we can't dwell on the past. We have to move forward. Right. So if something happens to you um, in your business as an entrepreneur, you can't go, I screwed that up. I'm a failure. Right. It's to me, it's a learning experience. And you have to move on. Yeah, yeah, or, or what? Sit and die slowly, right. really. 
can crawl in the corner and cry all the time. What's that kind of guy? It's got you nothing. Right. So there's so many opportunities out here that like yourself, you, you can do something. Sure. Something positive. And, well, look, like we talked about it today, you know, I, I, I was successful in your business, in the shipping business. And I realized through my growth and development over the years that I didn't feel my fear in that while we're talking about fear, by the way, we're going to do a part two on fear because we can, we can dig deep. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this is that my fear was that I could never do what you did. I could never see, I never had the, I had the vision that it was possible, but I didn't have the like systems and operations to understand how to do all of that stuff. My brain just didn't work like that. And so I, I feel like I could only live the lifestyle that I had become accustomed to from what you had built if I joined you in business. But that wasn't the only reason. I learned that later on as an underlying fear quencher or whatever that I learned through Landmark and through Tony Robbins training yeah. and things and, and studying to be coaches with them is I learned that, that it, it was... Um, it, it was the, a huge fear in me that I could never build the life that you had built for the family on my own. So why not join my dad in business? I'll get to, I'll just kind of, I'll get a springboard, you know, why start on my own when I can get a springboard? That makes perfect sense. But there was a small piece of um, inauthenticity that, no, that was not known until two years ago. But do you remember uh, when you came uh, when I had I had the office down at the airport, you came in that one time. You're picking up something, <clears throat> and you said to me, uh, uh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna um, chart my own path." No, we were standing on the pal. I was standing on the pal jack out in the back of the warehouse, and you right. came out. Right. It was maybe the hardest conversation I've ever had to have yeah. because I all I thought was, "I'm literally putting a gun to my dad's head, and he's gonna <laughs> fucking be crushed." Like I was thinking like, I've never been so scared. I've, I've, yeah. I've, I, because I just didn't want to let you down. Cause I'm like, fuck, this guy's like my only ally, like really ally here. And like, <laughs> I don't know what, what if this guy like turns on me? What if he says, you know what? Fuck you get out. I knew you weren't going to do that, but my brain was racing that. But what I say to you. Yeah. Ian, far be it me to tell you not to chart your own path. Right. Look what I did. Right. Right. And that was the, that was the supercharge that I needed. And I, it took me some months to go through, um, you know, teaching swimming lessons. Cause that was the only thing that I had confidence in as a master swimmer and instructor. Right. right. And then when I started in real estate, I was, I, I, I just, I thought that was the path for me. Well, I at wanted the time to, it was, and by the way, for any of you wondering, starting a real estate business, the barrier to entry is extremely low. Like you don't have to raise 25, 50, a hundred grand. You don't have to go to the bank to get a loan. You get your license for a couple hundred bucks, affiliate with a broker. I mean, some of the brokers will even pay you to be there. Yeah. And you can start just mining your, your database and you'll get deals. Like it's pretty easy actually. But it was the fear when I realized that the real estate business for me, I wasn't in it for me. And, and I know that sounds weird, but I was in it for my clients because and my friends who I was helping because I really cared a lot about them. And it wasn't anymore for me. I wasn't into the business anymore. It was into I, the money and the people. I believe at the time, 
you had something to prove to yourself. Oh, hundred percent. That you could do it on your own. Well, yeah, but also to you. Yeah, to me. Yeah, prove to you that I could do it. Yeah, and more so. And I'm, I was really proud of you. I know, but here's the thing: if I didn't do it, who would I be? Right? I don't have the answers to those questions, but those are what's going on in my head. It's like. Right. If I go get a job, am I letting the family down, the family of entrepreneurs that, you know, like, you know, what's my dad going to think? He fucking put all this work in and named the business Ian International. Oh my God, I'm, now I'm working at a grocery store. Like, I thought about all that stuff. That was real to me. Yeah, what's your son doing? He's working at a grocery store. Wow, uh, Glenn. Banana, and I'm not wrong with that. No, no, no. But after, after being an entrepreneur, you're like, right. what are you doing? But not, but it, that was like me almost giving up in a way because I was so scared of the what ifs and the, and the unknowns and the uncertainty that I'd rather, which like a lot of people would rather have more certainty and not, and not possibility. Correct. Than uncertainty and unlimited possibilities. And you don't even remember this. You don't even remember this saying either that tats tattooed on my freaking arm. Ellis? No, <laughs> limitless possibilities. Oh, limitless possibility. I remember us talking about if if you got a boat, we're going to put on the back, not without labor. Yeah, but that's not the the limitless possibilities was something like in swimming, and I forget uh, when it. I, I forget when it was. I think I was like ten. I, I don't remember. I think I was like ten. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I like I wasn't as big, I wasn't as strong as some of the competition. And you said, look, I mean, out in this world, there are limitations, but inside your head, it's limitless possibilities. Correct. If you bring all the shit from the outside in, right. you'll start to limit and extinguish those possibilities. Right. I'm telling you, I remember it's tattooed on my arm because of that. And isn't everything that we react to external? Pretty much. Yeah, if we're in control of ourselves. And I want to leave you with this. When you got out of college, this is all about where the came back, told me that Patrick and we talked about that. Yep. When you first got out of college and you started at the business, I did the same thing my dad did. My dad had a welding business. I said to you, if you remember, mm -hmm. I'm going to see how much you remember. Oh, I remember. Uh, oh, you remember? <laughs> of course. I said to you, look, you're not going to hurt my feelings. If you don't like this, yeah, you need to do something else. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And you said, "Okay, no problem." Yeah, and that's where that's how we started. Yeah, and but that's I, a good thing to do for a kid, and, actually. Yeah, and my dad said the same thing to me. He goes, "This is my path. Right. This is what I do. I can show you what I do, but if it doesn't interest you." You need to find your path is really what he meant. Totally. And you're not going to hurt my feelings. And I think a lot of uh, parents should say that sometimes to their kids, not only with business. With anything. With, with anything. sports. Sports. What, yeah. You know, I, I have a neighbor that he's really into baseball and he just pushes his kid. Yeah. Do the baseball thing. Dangerous. Do the baseball thing. And I can see some days. He's not really into it. What you know? What it builds is resentment, and yes. it builds anger, and it and and you're you're that's an that's an additional piece that a parent does not need a kid to have on top of them. Correct. But the kid, parents trying to live vicariously through the kid. Not that all parents don't try and do that. You did that. I do oh, that. I did it. Like, but but you gotta let a kid live their life. Correct. And you are 
you're the bumpers. Aaron Belkey, our partner, he says this, right? You're the bumpers on the bowling on the bowling lane. Correct. You're just keeping them in bounds, but you gotta let the ball go wherever the hell it needs to on the on the path. You know, you're channeling them to the pins, which is a win or a success or a failure. But you 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 cannot hold the ball and throw the ball. You have to just be the bumpers and help them. Course correct. That's right. The thing I did is I let you do most everything. Yeah. Except if I thought it was going to endanger your life or somebody else's. Yeah. And we'll get into that in other and episodes. I, I really didn't I really didn't have an opinion unless you asked me for it. Right. And then sometimes you didn't listen to it anyway. <laughs> right. There's there a were, there natural were, defiance. There were consequences, right? <laughs> right, right. So all right, let's wrap today. This has been very this has been really cool. Everybody, thanks for listening and uh, make sure you send us some some love, some comments. Uh, remember download the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And, you know, if there's something that we talked about that you love, hit us up, let us know. You want a t-shirt, let us know. Uh, remember, check, keep checking the website and then just keep watching out for our uh, Facebook community that we're getting together. It's really powerful stuff. We've got a lot of free stuff, free coaching, free advice, just some really deep level, powerful stuff from our coaching business that we're making free for our community members and listeners of the podcast. So dad, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I was happy to be here. And we'll be back on, uh, I don't know, maybe you'll be back next month. We, we, we've been out cause I've been in LA, but we'll, we'll get you back next month and we'll, we'll finish up. We'll, we'll continue this conversation about okay. fear and taking risks and the lessons learned. Cause I, I we can go way deeper. Yeah. You don't want to miss it. Cause we're, we're going to get really deep into this thing. Yeah. Really deep. So Thanks for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. If you need anything, you can always reach out. Mental Purpose at Mental Purpose Podcast on Instagram or ianlobos.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose Podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests are becoming a man on purpose. Visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.